Okay, so this is our 12th class, so we're going to review question 11 together, and then we're going to study question 12 together. So let's pray, and we'll get started. Father in heaven, thank you for this day that you've made, and thank you for the day it is, Sunday, to come together with our church family and worship you together. Pray that you guide us in this time as we're going to read your word and read this catechism which helps us to understand what you teach us in your word so help us God help us to understand not only to understand these truths but to apply these truths we pray in Jesus name amen so I thought we would not review all 10 questions leading up to question 11 Um, let's just review question uh, beginning with question six let's start there Just take it back a few weeks. I'll read the question and then put the answer up. Let's read the answer together. Question six, how can we glorify God? We glorify God by enjoying Him, loving Him, trusting Him, and by obeying His will, commands, and law. Question seven, what does the law of God require? Personal, perfect, and perpetual obedience, that we love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love our neighbor as ourselves. What God forbids should never be done, and what God commands should always be done. Question 8. What is the law of God stated in the Ten Commandments? You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not covet. And question six begins the elaborative questions on the Ten Commandments. Question nine. What does God require in the first, second, and third commandments? First, that we know and trust God as the only true and living God. Second, that we avoid all idolatry and do not worship God improperly. Third, that we treat God's name with fear and reverence, honoring also His word and works. Question 10, what does God require in the fourth and fifth commandments? Fourth, that on the Sabbath day we spend time in public and private worship of God, rest from routine employment, serve the Lord and others, and so anticipate the eternal Sabbath. Fifth, that we love and honor our father and our mother, submitting to their godly discipline and direction. Give me one second. I need to open up another file because I don't think this has question 12. 
Okay, here we go. Question 10. What does God... Do we just do question 10? Thank you. Question 11. What does God require... I'm giving the answer though. In the 6th, 7th, and 8th commandments. Hang on. They used to make fun of me right now. <laughs> it's just not looking the way I want it to look here. No, I don't need help. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so proud. That's uh I don't know if you can if you're gonna be able to read this, so Well, it's alright. We'll deal with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay. Alright, question question eleven. Let's say it together. What does God require in the sixth, seventh, and eighth commandments? Sixth. That we do not hurt or hate or be hostile to our neighbor, but be patient and peaceful, pursuing even our enemies with love. Seventh, that we abstain from sexual immorality and live purely and faithfully, whether in marriage or in single life, avoiding all impure actions, looks, words, thoughts, or desires, or whatever might lead to them. Eighth, that we do not take without permission that which belongs to someone else, nor withhold any good from someone we might benefit. Okay, good job. So let me take that off. That's the wrong question. So question 11, do we have uh, any kids that know this and want to say it from memory? It's pretty long. So I wouldn't be surprised if we didn't have anyone with that confidence. You guys are pointing to Jackson? Jackson, you got it? Okay. Okay, no pressure. Anyone? Okay, let's say... Oh, really let us down, man. <laughs> hey, you've earned a week off there, Caleb. Okay, question 11. Yeah, no, no, Josh isn't here, is he? Yeah, he'd be all over that. Okay, so let's say it together one more time. Question 11, what does God require in the 6th, 7th, and 8th commandments? 6th, that we do not hurt or hate or be hostile to our neighbor, but be patient and peaceful, pursuing even our enemies with love. 7th, that we abstain from sexual immorality and live purely and faithfully, whether in marriage or in single life, avoiding all impure actions, looks, words, 
thoughts or desires and whatever might lead to them. Eighth, that we do not take without permission that which belongs to someone else, nor withhold any good from someone we might benefit. Okay, so let's move on to question 12 now. Uh, the final two commandments. What does God require in the ninth and tenth commandments? Let's say it together just one time. Ninth, that we do not lie or deceive, but speak the truth in love. Tenth, that we are content not envying anyone or resenting what God has given them or us. That's question 12. And now let's make sure that we understand it. The ninth commandment, you'll remember, is you and I shall not give false testimony. That's the literal commandment. You shall not give false testimony. And the tenth commandment is you shall not covet. So this ninth commandment, I don't know if you had a chance to read the commentary that goes with this catechism. There was some good words said by John Bradford. And he talks about the ninth commandment. And the ninth commandment instructing us how we should use our tongue, how we should use our mouth, how we should use our words with our neighbor. And we're told that we should not give false testimony, which excludes a lot of things. Which excludes a lot of things. It excludes, he talks about this slandering, uh, lying. I think that's probably the obvious one for most of us. Hypocrisy. What we should do, and the New Testament elaborates on this, is rather than speaking lies to one another or falsehood to one another, we should make sure that we're always speaking truth to one another. And not just speaking truth to one another, but Paul teaches us in Ephesians that we should be speaking the truth in love to one another. So speaking truthfully to one another and speaking with love to one another. Here's what John Bradford says. Be careful, everyone, to cover others' infirmity and with our tongue defend the names of others, even as we would that others should defend ours. So that in this commandment, as thou forbiddest me all kind of evil, perilous, calumnious, and untrue speaking, so dost thou command to me all kind of godly, honest, and true report and talk. So again, we're going from a very narrow perspective on these commandments to a wider understanding of these commandments and the heart of them and what it is that God is actually forbidding in these commandments for us as Christians and what it is that God is actually commanding and instructing us as Christians. Tabidi Anuabile in his commentary said, the tongue is a restless evil. We know this from James chapter 3. And so the ninth commandment is aimed in part at bridling the tongue. It's aimed at bridling the tongue with truth, teaching us to put off falsehood, to put off lying. 
In our culture, to accuse someone of telling a lie is a serious insult. So many people hesitate to even use the term. I think this hesitancy reveals fallen man's heart to shy away from this commandment as well as his need of this commandment. There was a video I found this week. I was going to play it, but I'm worried about technical difficulties. So if you want to look it up, it was a a real short video. It was about three minutes, and it was put out by the publisher Crossway, and it was Wayne Grudem. And he was talking about lying and what the Bible has to say about lying. Uh, He talked a little bit about the ninth commandment. What does it mean to give false testimony? What does that mean for us? What doesn't that mean for us? And I thought it was helpful. It was just a few minutes. So it's Wayne Grudem. He's talking on lying and Crossway. If you Google some of those pieces. But one of the he starts the video with asking some sort of provocative questions like, can Christians tell white lies? You know what a white lie is. A white lie is, you know, a little, a little lie. It's, it's, not, a, it's not a big deal. Um, it's not, in your mind, significant. Or um, it's a lie that you tell because it's best for the other person. I've done that before. I've probably done that recently. Where I've said something that I know not to be true or no, not to be totally true. And I may be saying it to protect the other person's feelings or maybe sometimes even worse to sort of preserve their perspective of me and their view of me. It really made me think. And to begin to question like, what would this look like? I mean, I even went, even went so far as to, to think about Little little lies that seem to me to be good and insignificant that I've told my wife. For example, for example, before you start, you know, like thinking way beyond what I'm talking about. I can remember a time where I was out shopping for my wife's birthday. And I was I was getting her a gift and she called me and she asked me where I was and what I was doing. Just like conversationally. And I lied to her. I told her I was somewhere else. And I told her I was somewhere else because I didn't want her to know. If she knew where I was, she'd know what I was doing. It would spoil the birthday gift. So in my mind, that was totally justified. But I was thinking about that this week. I was thinking about that. I don't know. I don't know. God never lies. God, we're told in Scripture, it's not even possible. It's not even possible for Him to lie. Now, what are we doing in all these commandments? We are, as Christians, we're we're pursuing God. We're seeking to reflect the character of God. That we're trying to, as image bearers of God, be accurate image bearers of God. To honor Him, to glorify Him with what we do. So how serious, this is what I ended up thinking about, how serious do we take these commandments? What is just unacceptable to us? Things we will not do, no matter what the cost. And what are things that we must do, no matter what the cost? So the ninth commandment, we shall not give false testimony. So how we speak, how we speak about people, what we say to people is so important. And we need to keep thinking about what the implications of that are. Okay. And then the tenth commandment, 
the Ten Commandments is that you and I shall not covet. Here's what John Bradford says again. Uh, this is the last commandment, of course. The Tenth Commandment. And in this commandment, he says, God, you teach me a rule for my heart. This really gets, this Tenth Commandment really gets to the heart, doesn't it? Because coveting is something that happens in your heart. It's something that happens at, at about as deep a level as something can possibly happen. And it leads to all kind of ugliness. You've given me a rule for my heart to order that well from the abundance, this is the heart, from the abundance whereof all our works and words proceed, that I shall what? Not covet anything that is my neighbor's. I know hereby, if he have a fairer house than I, I may not wish for it. If he have a more beautiful wife than I, I may not desire her. I may not desire to take from his ox, nor his ass, no, not his dog, no, not the meanest thing he hath in his possession, the smallest thing. So that in the other commandments, as you have forbidden all injuries and evil practice against my neighbor, so now thou chargest me to beware of thinking any evil thought against him. So where these other commandments are dealing with what, right? What we're doing with our hands, what we're doing with our mouth, what we're doing with our actions. This 10th commandment takes a step back and gets to the root of those things and to the source of those things and to the wellspring of those things. And what does it often start with? Coveting. Wanting something that God has not given me. Not being content with what God has given me. And it gets ugly when someone else has this thing that I wish that I had. And I begin coveting it. And then Tabidi says, if you can imagine, I thought this was, this was helpful for me. If you can imagine the heart having hands Coveting is like the heart grasping for things, desiring things, laying hold of things that don't properly belong to it. So we've been talking about this a lot in Ecclesiastes. Right? Because in Ecclesiastes, Solomon talks a lot about your lot. And your lot, I have a lot, and you have a lot, and your lot, noun, is whatever God has given you. And God has decided in his infinite wisdom what what things to give you and what things to give me and what things to withhold from you and what things to withhold from me. Good parents do this for their kids. They don't give their kids everything they want. They make sure their kids have everything they need, but they don't give their kids everything they want because it wouldn't be good to give their kids everything that they want. Well, God is is much wiser than any parent ever was and ever will be. And he loves his children. And so God, even though we, 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 we should present all our desires to him, and we know that in one sense God's heart is to grant the desires of our heart, he loves us and cares for us in that way. But we know that God, in his infinite wisdom, will decide what to give us and what to withhold from us. 
And so for the Christian, we trust God in that. And so we may ask for whatever it is we want. Lord, I would love to have this change in my life. I would love I would love to have this job or I'd love to have this circumstance change or I, I would love to have this house or I would love to have this happen in my church. Whatever it is, you have all kinds of wants and desires that you have and you present those to God. But at the end of every single one of those prayers, your heart must be not my will, but your will. Personally, for me, it just sounds something like this. After I present all those to God, God, you know what's best. You know what's best. I want to remind myself of that and say it again to you. God, you know what's best. So maybe this wouldn't be good for me. Maybe this wouldn't be good for me. Maybe this wouldn't be good for my wife. Maybe this wouldn't be good for my kids. I think it would be. I don't know what, why you're hesitating. Let's just do this. I might think thoughts like that. But God, you know what's best. And you know at the end of the day what's going to bring you more glory. And at the end of the day, you know what's going to be for my good. And so help me trust you. And whatever you decide, whatever you do, I'm good. And that's how I, this is how I try in, in, in my prayers and in talking with God to work this out on a personal, relational level with God. God knows what's best. Help me, Lord, not to covet or want things that, that aren't mine. He goes on to says the Tenth Commandment sets for us a kind of boundary that protects against the way covetousness tends to cross lines. We are tempted to cross the line of desires, longing for things that aren't properly in our possession. When we covet, what we're actually saying is that God has not apportioned His creation properly because He hasn't given us everything we desire. And you don't want to say that. But that really puts into words what I'm doing when I'm coveting. God, you're not, you're not doing a good job here. They shouldn't have that, I should have that. Or, if they have it, I should have it. Or, I've deserved this. Or, I've earned this. I've worked hard for this. Or, I've been patient for however long it's been. Coveting. And what that is, is saying to God, you're not doing a good job. You're not apportioning things out the way that you should be. And when you put it like that, for the Christian who loves God, that stings. That stings. I don't want to say that. I, don't want to, I do not want to critique God. I do not want to criticize what He's given me. Now what happens inevitably when when I'm coveting and when you're coveting, is gratitude goes out the window. right? Because you're focused on what you don't have, not what you have. And every single one of you has so much. We have so much. Everybody who's in Christ can say that, even in the worst of circumstances. But I mean, we have, you know, grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. I mean, it's just, it's been... It's been lavished on us. I mean, where we live and when we live. Okay, It is unprecedented blessing that we have. So many gifts 
So many ways God has been good and kind to us. And isn't it nasty when I covet? I lose sight of all of that and I just, I just want more. It's like the kid that's been surrounded, right, with 50 gifts on Christmas and he opens every single one of them and he's ticked off because 51's not there. The one thing that he wanted more than it isn't there. Oh, that's ugly, right? We don't want to, we don't want to do that. Okay, finally, his last paragraph. These commandments speak to us and they call us forth truth telling, not just to truth telling, but to the truth spoken in love. They call forth a bridling and restraining and a channeling of desire to things that are good and right. They call us to things that God has legitimately given us for our enjoyment and to be content in how God has distributed his blessing, how he rules his creation. They call us not to go outside of that contentment by taking things, for if we do, we destroy society, culture and our neighbors. This is true. Even if the taking of what doesn't belong to us is only a taking in heart. That's the covenant. So let's say it one more time together. And then I'll pray. Question 12. What does God require in the ninth and tenth commandments? Ninth, that we do not lie or deceive, but speak the truth in love. Tenth, that we are content not envying anyone or resenting what God has given them or us. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you for these commandments that you have given us that will guide our life in such a way that you are glorified and we are joyful. So God, help us to believe that these commandments are right and good for us. And then God, help us to follow these commandments. God, when we don't, would you bring conviction and sadness over our sin? And God, when we do, when we do follow these commandments, would you protect us from becoming arrogant or proud? We pray that all of our following of these commandments would be motivated by gratitude. We are so thankful and grateful for your faithfulness to us and for your mercy extended to us through Jesus. And out of that thankfulness and gratitude, we want to obey you. So give us the grace to do that, we pray in Jesus name. Amen.